Hey, you're just starting the Trek Off podcast now, so it's a good time for you to subscribe to a new podcast, too. The Totally Super Podcast is me and my good friend Arthur reviewing every single superhero movie ever made. That's right. It's called Totally Super. It's put out by Geeks Radio. It's like Trek Off, but for superhero movies. Maybe not quite so dirty, but... It's still fun. So check out Totally Super. Search for it right now. Whatever you're listening on right now, whatever you found Trek Off on, just use that to find Totally Super and subscribe. Okay, enjoy Trek Off. It's time for Trek Off. Set phasers to love. Welcome to Trek Off. My name is Justin, and today, um, Alexia is uh, helping Section 31 battle the Dominion covertly. Um, she just left in a ship away from Upper Pylon 2 on Deep Space Nine. But luckily, uh, Deep Space Nine had somebody else on Upper Pylon 2 uh, to help us out today. Uh, I would like you to give a a warm, uh, backhanded Bajoran round of applause to Upper Pylon 2, the podcast Upper Pylon 2's very own Admiral Matt Hansen. Hey, Matt. Hi, how you doing? It's been a, it's been a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, Alexia has, uh, has not been able to make it to uh, record uh, this week. So we decided to bring you aboard since, you know, it's weird. We were just saying offline that it's, Listening to podcasts is an interesting experience and that you and I have not corresponded outside of a message here or there on Facebook in probably a couple of years. But in that you hear my voice on Trek Off and I hear your voice on Upper Pylon 2, it feels like we've talked. Yeah, no, totally. But yeah, things have, it's really been a long time and lots has happened both uh, in Star Trek and off in normal life. Yeah, tell us a little bit about uh, where, I mean, last time we recorded, I think that that was when the Delta Quadrant was still around. So tell us about what has happened podcasting and personally for you since then. I think it was it was sooner than that, but I could be wrong. Um, yeah, so, you know, Delta Quadrant ended back in 2015, and then a couple months later, Upper Pylon 2 started, and here we are in 2018, and uh, we are in Season 7, so we're almost done with Upper Pylon 2. And which is good for me because at this point I'm about to start my final year of law school. So it's good that we're wrapping this up now because after that I'm I'm going to I, I say I'm gonna retire from podcasting, but what I mean by that is I'm gonna retire from the weekly podcasting. I, I love doing these guest spots. I couldn't step away from them entirely, but given that I'm about to like take the bar exam and begin my career next year, yeah, I just don't have time for the weekend and week out anymore. But it's been uh, it's been a good, geez, seven years since I started doing podcasting. So that's a good run. Yeah, Melissa started it because I had no intention of, of doing another uh, weekly series just because, I mean, I had been with Delta Quadrant since episode three. So I was basically there from the beginning and I was the only one who stayed the full way through and I was tired. You know, I was it was mainly me pulling the strings. And so, um, you know, I was, I was really tired and Melissa wanted to do this other show. And I was like, you know what? Good luck. Cause I, I just don't want to deal with the week in and week out anymore. But then when I got, you know, into the new crew and the new cast, they were running so efficiently that, um, they said, if you, if you want to come on, you don't have to worry about running the show anymore single handedly. So that was, that was how they got me to, to join fully. And much like you are about to, Melissa backed away to pursue her own career and do the same sort of the same situation you're in now to go off and, and do her own thing. And 
and the show has now developed to, to a very different animal. At least to me, it feels like a very different animal than the Delta Quadrant was. It it has, and and the thing is too is that I mean it's still kind of the same format and stuff, but it depends. You know, a different animal depends on the interactions between the host, and then luckily when Melissa decided to leave the show, we we were already into season four, so we were already a well oiled machine on our own. So. Uh, there was a while there for in Delta Quadrant when hosts departed that I, we kind of had to scramble and I just didn't want to go through that again. But but actually, I will say that record the recording of Upper Pylon has been a lot more easy flowing. Um, I think all of us just know what we were doing and what we were getting into this time. So it's actually been a great run. Now, is there any talk of old hosts for Upper Pylon coming back for a final episode for a big end of this train blowout is that been discussed i mean we're, we're still talking about what we want to do for the final episode thankfully we don't have we have until i think we're going to record it in november so we have some time to, to plan out what we want to do but yeah we got some stuff up our sleeves i i, I don't know about any guest appearances but um we'll we'll, we'll get some stuff we'll, we'll get something special put together well, I before you guys disappear i'd love to appear i'd love to appear one time on the show more yeah Just i mean before I, you go I will, yeah, I will definitely pass it along to Blair's the one that handles all the uh, the guest appearances. But I was thinking, I don't remember if we have a guest yet for um, Inter Arma Einem Silent Legus. And considering that you were a Romulan in your past uh, day job, that, <laughs> that that might be a good one for you to come back and go out on with us. That would be fun. Any post plans for the show as far as you know? I know you're not going to be part of it. Is is there going to be a an Alpha Quadrant show? Is there going to be something about Enterprise? What is is there is this it for the crew or are they going to continue on? Are we going to there, get the next evolution? There's been some some like joking around and kicking things around. I thought and initially I thought that's what Upper Pylon 2 was when Melissa first mentioned it. Little did I know that she was serious. Um, but if it, if there is going to be anything, it's not going to be with me. I'll just say that much. Uh, I'll, like I said, I, I'd be happy to do guest spots from now on it, but it, a lot of us are, are, we've moved on with our own lives. I mean, since we've had, uh, since we've started upper pylon, I've pretty much almost completed law school. Um, Chris has his, has, you know, his own family, Blair has his own family. And then Smonsky became a father during upper pylon. Um, so you know, we've all had our own personal lives take different turns. So I, I don't know if they're going to go on, but I am gracefully stepping back and passing on the baton to whoever wants it. Well, I suggest them to, again, once you've listened to all of our shows and not until you've listened to all of our shows, then you can go over and listen to some Upper Pylon 2 um, and to the Delta Quadrant, which precedes it. Even if you don't like Voyager, I like I'm on record as not being a giant Voyager fan but the show, like the show is sometimes better on like I look forward to the shows that I know the the episodes that suck. Like when you're gonna get two episodes that that I hate, the one the one springs to mind earlier in the in the show where Worf had to dress up as a woman, for instance. Uh that is reviled. It's it's a hated episode by everyone involved. That was so much fun to listen to. Like that's Wait, like who wants who wants to listen to a show where people are like, yeah. I really like that show. Yes, I also really like that show. Good. Okay, right. we're done. Like it's I it's it's fun when it's fun when you guys disagree and it's really fun when you guys all hate on the same thing. It's pretty funny. Right. It's yeah, it, it's lots of fun and I mean, don't even when we did the Voyager show, I mean, 
yes, we all we all generally like the show, but that didn't stop us from having our own criticisms. I, it turns out, I'm a lot more critical of Voyager now too, but not to the point where I dislike it. Uh, but you know, not to be unfair, there's been times when I've been very very critical of DS9 too, and there's there's audio evidence to prove that. Oh no, I I deny it. <laughs> it's not true. I mean, you're the lawyer, but or the lawyer to be, but engaged to the law, not yet married to it. Um, right. Okay, so why have you on? Why is it so important right now to put out an episode of Trek Hop? Why not just, you know, we've gone a few weeks without talking before. But it's, I think it's important in, in the light of what's happening now and that Alexia is going to be doing the thing that she's doing for at least a couple more weeks that we couldn't let it slide by. That Star Trek has just had, I don't know, like it's, if there are like moments of big news that have happened in the post nemesis Star Trek world. The first would be that JJ Abrams is going to make a Star Trek movie. The next is Star Trek's returning to television with discovery. And I think the next biggest news after this is the news that's come out in the last like yeah. 48, 72 the, hours. The, the fucking bombshell that dropped the one year, the one year in six years that I didn't make it to Star Trek Las Vegas is when this news decided to drop. Um, of course, we're talking about the triumphant return of Patrick Stewart to the role of Jean-Luc Picard. Now, it's worth noting that we talked about this about three episodes back, the rumor that this was going to happen. They, he was asked on the street by a fan on camera whether or not he had seen Star Trek Discovery, to which he responded, no, but I've got a good reason to watch it. Um, and so that is... That was the first bit of us thinking that this might be uh, something that's that's happening. So what I'm going to do is uh, for everybody's edification, I am going to play uh, just a clip of Patrick Stewart's uh, discussion about what he's going to do and what brought him back to it. So uh, here we go. Here is Patrick Stewart making the announcement. Thank you. I have spent a lot of time recently watching Star Trek The Next Generation. including episodes I'd never seen before, which was fun and exciting. And gradually it became clearer and clearer to me that the power of that show, the success of that show, the benefits that it gave. I have never, ever grown tired of hearing from people who stop me in the street or in a restaurant. Well, no, I don't like being interrupted while I'm eating. <laughs> but um, who say to me, your show changed my life without Star Trek, The Next Generation. I might not be here. And, and that lies at the very center of what I have to tell you now. Jean-Luc Picard is back. He goes on uh, for uh, quite a while. Uh, if you were to watch the longer clip, it's about uh, 12, 12 and a half minutes you can find on there. People who are there to watch him do it. He gets teary talking about it. He gets um, clearly emotional, emotionally worked up about how Star Trek has helped people over the years and how he thought that this was a journey that was done for him. But when they came to him with interesting places for Picard to go that he was interested interested in picking it up. Also, you know, Pat's two's got to eat. 
then he says that we may see a Picard that is different than the Picard that we knew, that time has changed him, that he may not, in fact, be a captain when all of this is said and done, and then most of the clips uh, end. But we are getting, uh, a, first of all, the not just the extension of Picard, but by by that, the extension of the Prime Universe. Finally, finally, we're moving forward in Star Trek. Your thoughts? Uh, I, I I was never one of those people that I could. I wait. I'm hearing my echo in the background. How about now? Um, no, it's gone. Okay. Uh, I was never one of those people that was like super bothered by the fact that we weren't going forward because I just wanted it. If we ever did go forward, I wanted it to be something other than you know another Voyager or another Next Generation, where it's just like the next, next, next generation. Um, because I felt like that had been played out and I, to truth be told, I really, we haven't talked since, um, all this new Star Trek stuff came out, but I'm a huge, huge fan of Discovery. I loved the first season and I, I'm really excited about where that show is going. But I mean, once I heard this news, A, of course I'm really excited. It's, it's, it's incredible that I, I didn't think that this would happen. I mean, when those rumors came out, I read them too, and I thought maybe, maybe Patrick Stewart was doing like a guest spot or a guest arc on Discovery because it was specific, he was specifically asked about Discovery, not just Star Trek. So, um, I thought that that's maybe where it was going. I had no idea he would come back as Picard or let alone do a, do a full series, it sounds like, or at least a a mini series, a season. Um, and yeah, it's incredible. And what, what, what makes me excited is that from his description that he gives, it's not going to be the next, next generation. It's going to be something different. It sounds like it's going to be a little bit more personal and I'm fine with Picard being a different person because from what I understand the the series takes place 25 years after Nemesis. And I mean, he wasn't the same person just from going from the beginning of Farpoint to the end of Nemesis. So time changes people. And so I'm okay with that. I, I, okay, so I have been on record as saying that, well, I don't want to say I've had a problem with the idea that they've gone back for Enterprise and for Discovery, but it is not ever the direction that I wanted them to go. Part of what I really enjoy about Star Trek, I was that guy who had the Star Trek history of the future and the Star Trek encyclopedia, and I loved watching the world expand. It's why Deep Space Nine is my favorite is because it is the most for a show that started out on a single space station. It is the most expansive of the world. By the time we are done, you know so much about the Klingons, so much about the Romulans, so much about the, the Ferengi and the Cardassians and the Bajorans. And you get to learn everything about, you spend more time on their planets than you ever did on next gen. And what gets me is that once Voyager ended and really you didn't get much from Voyager. The like once D Space Nine ended, you got little glimpses into what's going on in the Federation, but nothing really definitive. And then you had Nemesis, which hinted at some stuff that hinted that you know that there have maybe been changes in the Federation, but you don't really get any sense of of who's the new ally, who's the new enemy, where have alliances changed and shifted. And then you had uh, Star Trek 09, which has, devastatingly for me, the destruction of Romulus. Which Romulus hope, is which gone. I, I wonder if they're going to incorporate into this. I hope they do somehow. Yeah. So beyond that, I don't know what's new, what's different, and, and how the future of this world that I love has changed. And 
much like the very first prequel did to Star Wars, and much like the very much like the very first five minutes of The Force Awakens did to uh, did to Star Wars as well. This is finally, and just like the first episode of Next Gen did to Star Trek, suddenly all the interstitial space in between. You go, it's been 25 years since Nemesis. Now you've got all of that to ponder, to think about. Every mention can be something that you can grab onto and glom onto and theorize about and think about. And the the world between the episodes, which is something I really, really enjoyed, is now expanding at an enormous fa- at an enormous pace. And I could never really get into reading the novels as a kid. And now that I've got you know older and have kids and career of my own, I it's either read the novels or frankly sit here and talk to you guys. So I'm going to talk to you guys. This is the fact that we're going forward in the universe, even if it was just like one movie that explored it. If we're going to see how the universe, how the the Alpha Quadrant has changed, I am so thankful for that. Yeah. But I hope that Picard's not too different, and I'll tell you why. We have tried. Some have complained that we've been too political on our show. Some have complained that we've not been political enough. Uh, We've tried to really walk a fine line in that Alexia and I have very strong feelings, but we understand that not everybody that we talk to have the same feelings as ours. And also, the people who disagree with our political bent have very strong feelings themselves, and they feel like their feelings are not being intellectually challenged and i frankly feel very righteous in my feelings about the way our world looks and nobody's challenging my view either except the other side we're adversarial in the way that we approach it now i think the world needs picard frankly and i'm hoping that that's what pulled him back because this if done right a show like this a show like next gen a show where you have picard there Doing even more than Kirk did, it wasn't. It's when you look at the and pardon me for pontificating. Give me a moment, counselor, and and I will allow you to retort. <laughs> um, the original series had episodes that did a good job shining a light on the world and the issues of the world in a time when you weren't allowed to even talk about this stuff. And it allowed you to talk about that stuff and think about this stuff. But Next Gen allowed you get to get into the heart and soul of issues. It put you on the ground with terrorists and made them relatable. It it did things that you couldn't believe they would do. And I think that I want a show that kicks me in my complacency and says, all those things that you think that you believe are right, maybe they're not. And I want a show that tells people on the other side, hey, these things that you think that, that that are right, that you won't talk to, maybe if you look at it in terms of this allegory. While I love what Discovery is doing, it's doing a wonderful Star Trek yarn. People have said that the Orville is doing better at the primary job of the original Star Trek. And I've had a problem with the Orville. I've had a problem relating I, to it because they I, they continue to throw in modern pop culture references that yeah, just it's, I, it's with, I, I just gotta say with, ep- I, I couldn't disagree with those people more I can't I can't with the Orville I've tried and if that's the successor to Star Trek I don't want it <laughs> yeah I mean I get its value I didn't hate it I didn't hate it and I think my problem would go when it was the first few episodes where it was hey we're doing a Star Trek parody I kind of liked it but then you got to about the fourth episode and they were doing something serious and I started to become emotionally involved in the episode I was watching. I started really investing. And then they make a joke about Snoopy. And I go, you know, 
here's the thing. I can't believe that Snoopy's going to be there in the 24th century and that he's going to be so prevalent that we're going to be able to just throw the word Snoopy around and everyone's going to get it. Like, I don't, like, it would take me out of the moment and it was more frustrating as the show got better for me because I was not in the moment. I was just kind of laughing. I was chuckling happily at the first couple episodes. But when they start getting serious, that is suddenly, I don't know if that makes any sense. As I get more invested in the quality, serious stuff that they're doing, this other stuff is, you know, it's it's like a... It's like a booger on. It's like a booger on a five star meal. It's just well, because you can't it's ignore it's, it. it's a it's a tone clash. And the thing, my yeah. problem with the Orville, aside from the fact that it's you know, to me it's watered down next gen. And the episodes that I've watched, I've seen on so many series before, um, is that they're trying to have their cake and eat it too. They, and for me, it's either you you try to take you you do the serious dramatic series that has a message with maybe a few hints of comedy because there was comedy in next gen. I mean, there was, but not the, t- or you do the Galaxy Quest sort of parody where you throw in more of the silly slapstick humor and uh, cultural references and what have you. They're trying to do both. And to me, it's, it's a, it's a tonal clash that never comes together. Yeah. If you guys like it listening, I know Alexia loves it. I love that you love it. And if it is giving you the Star Trek that you wanted, if, if Discovery <laughs> is not giving you the moralizing that you got out of, out of next gen and the orville is i envy you frankly i don't it's not one of those things where i go and it sucks i'm not saying that it sucks i just my sensibilities i can i could never get past the the cardboard sets in watching the original series my imagination just isn't there enough um and in the same way i can't get past this tonal clash but if you can if you're listening you can great good I, i'm glad it's there i'm glad it exists more trek even trek that i don't like even trek that i think is is haphazard and, and could be better more tracks better than less track and great good stuff but not for me right that being said i can't think of a time in history when we needed picard more i to, i see what you're saying there and i definitely agree what i'm saying by different is like he may not be in the center seat of a starship anymore but i think that and patrick stewart i, I believe has made comments to this effect that the some the the thing that people were driven to Picard by was like you said the, his sense of optimism and his sense of uh, uh, the best parts of humanity and I think that he wouldn't agree to come back if that part of him wasn't represented. Now what I'm ho- what so. I'm what I'm thankful for and what it sounds like is that it's not just going to be TNG Redux because you know I I know people like that but. I, <sighs> I don't need another next generation. That's also why I don't cater to the Orville is because I've seen that done better on next generation. I don't need another nineties sci-fi show in 2018. That's why I gravitate more to discoveries because you know, it's, it's different, but for me, it's different in a good way. The way DS nine was different. Um, And I, I think that you can have an aesthetic that is more modern. You can have a story structure that is more modern. I do hope that it is a less you say you it more personal and i get a personal story with patrick stewart in the lead watching him act i'd watch the guy read stereo instructions i mean i almost went and saw the emoji movie because he was poop oh god really yeah the that being said the value of picard for me is his ability to to stand for what's right and the world is different now than it was in 1987 and of the seven years that followed the fact is is 
you know, the when Next Gen ended, it was yeah. before it was before even the the Clinton impeachment. It was before sure things got. I mean, you know, thing, things are di- got thing- mad back and forth, but it was a it was before Clinton. It was before nine eleven. It was before these things. I was going to say th- thing, cr- things are different now from two thousand two when the last time we saw Picard was. I mean, <laughs> and even that that two, that was not. I don't know what that was, but that wasn't our world. That was that was like let's make it a big action movie. Um, I think we need a little Picard to to reflect the darker world that we live in now. And if they say, "Hey, the Federation is not what it used to be," and here's a man trying to be right and be good in a world that is not as good as it was, and the reclaiming of you know him using his influence or whatever. If the point of the the show is to reclaim some of that you know the the utopian sense of let's do what's right then i'm i'm for that right like i, I, th- I, I want that i, we I need get that i get that you know what i think that's where this franchise is going quite frankly because i you may disagree with me but i feel that that's the arc that they were at at the end of season one of discovery i mean i feel like that the with between uh, Saru's speech when he takes over as acting captain to Michael Burnham's speech in the finale. They are trying to reinforce those positive images of the future that Star Trek offers and try to get back to that sense of, of being. And so I think that that's what you're going to see with this series. Now, when when Patrick Stewart says he's going to be different, I take it to mean that no one's the same person that they were 25 years ago. Nobody is. Sure. But, but at the same time... Uh, I don't think he would agree to come back if the essence of the character wasn't there. And personally, I don't think, you know, we know he doesn't have to come back at all. So something about this project must have excited him because he certainly doesn't need the money. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on all the points. Um, I thought it would be fun since we are discussing the Picard that we want to see to sort of look at the different Picards that we've gotten, because frankly, he's, he is a man for all seasons. He is what the show needs him to be. Mm-hmm. Um, he is the worst French person ever. Yes. As we as we said in the Trek Off movie, he is a French person who quotes Shakespeare and loves or great tea. He is the most British French man <laughs> in the history of France. Right. Um, but we get. I could say you can break him down into some basics, and I want to talk about your opinions of all of them. Mm-hmm. The Picard that you meet at the beginning of Next Gen is a hard man, stoic, humorless, difficult with children, uh, with almost no emotion to him, a very Vulcan quality to him, not a lot of heart and very stern. Um, and Patrick Stewart Vul- has inter- Vul- interestingly talked about how Picard's growth as a human being mirrored his growth as an actor on the set where he said right. that in season one, he was yelling at the American actors for fucking around all the time. And by the end, they were all a family. Second, second Picard you get is the, the heartfelt Picard, the, the heart, the Picard from the inner light, the Picard the, the, from, the, uh, from I would Darmok call, I would, somewhat. I would call it the, po- the, the post uh, recovery from assimilation Picard for the rest of the series. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the softer Picard who, who, thinks he's very sort of thinking and what he does mm-hmm. um, as opposed to this Picard who's this um, the the third Picard that you get is the disempowered Picard is uh, is usually it's fish out of water Picard you you want me to say I need you I need you or the <laughs> um, 
the that there are there are four lights uh again of course the end of inner light the uh the befuddled yeah. guitar uh, guitar i just called him guitar captain guitar the Would most you musical captain of all. I, I guess um, you could you you would count you could count his um his arc and generations as that too with losing uh, the family to a point yes um and certainly you could say that that somewhat also in in parts of insurrection where he's the Picard who dances the the anti Picard Picard you could sort of right. say is is he's he's the 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 every man that everyone likes um that nobody gets to see. And then mm-hmm. there is action movie Picard that yeah, we've seen a number of times. He's certainly yeah. on Starship Mine, all of Insurrection. Uh, um, First Contact is where it's the most, where he you know, rips off his shirt and he's got the big biceps and he's literally swinging over a chasm. Uh, he's big gun, sword fighting, high punching. See, There's it, the Picard it really, it, who- It really worked for me in First Contact. I know action movie yeah. Picard's not everyone's favorite, but First Contact and Starship Mine, two of my favorite next generation things ever. Oh yeah, well there's it de- depending on the the Picard you get, he can get knocked out by, you know, somebody getting a cold drop on him, uh behind him, uh, just a regular old alien, he can get knocked over by the aged form of Tolian Soren. I was going to say he could get he could get his ass beat by by a little old Malcolm McDowell. Yeah, um and then you have the Picard who clearly is a black belt in all martial arts and yes. can take out five Klingons all by himself. Um, that he is, he is good. So that's, those are the cards. We have action movie, uh, action movie Picard. Let's say funny. Every man Picard, you have, uh, you have soft thought Picard and stern Picard. Mm-hmm. So let's say that those are our four Picards. Do you have a favorite among the four? I think here's the thing is like, I, I think that Picard as a consistent character was best in seasons three through seven, but there, whenever I've gotten aspects of different Picards, the different Picards that you've mentioned, I've liked things about each of them. I mean, when you talk about Stern Picard, you called him Vulcan-like, and I think to a certain extent that's true. But what I appreciated about what Patrick Stewart did with the character early on is he never lost his passion or emotion the way that you know a normal Vulcan character, your your stereotypical Vulcan character, you would think of, even when he was stern, he he came from a place of very very heated passion and emotion, and you know like I just got through saying, action movie Picard when it's used in the right way, like Starship Minor First Contact, I think is great. I think is fantastic, and I mean, Patrick Stewart has really good comedic timing. So when he's kind of like the everyman, he's very relatable. So. There are aspects to his character that I like all around, but I think depending on the, the tone that they're setting for this new series, I think maybe season three through seven, not soft, but the softer Picard is probably the way to go. But I, again, I'm not sure. I, I'm looking forward to whatever they come up with. I have to admit that I have a real problem with Stern Picard. Um I really have a problem with season one Picard, as I do with the season one interpretation of most of the characters. Oh, he's not. The, but just because I like certain aspects of it, I don't think he's perfect in season one. But there's certain things about him that I like. There's a part of me that wonders if the presence of Whoopi Goldberg on the set and what she was doing brought a change to to the way that he performed. Because I think, I mean, I think no maybe one, give, getting a second season maybe changed the way he performed because, I mean... He talks very frankly that he expected to go home within a year. 
Yeah, no, I get that. I guess what I'm talking about is um, Picard never has, he never had to play a moment. Right. Um, and as an actor, you know, you discover things. I, you know, this, at least my experience as being an actor, you discover things the more you do. There's something about doing a long run of a play. There was a point in which I did 60, 60 shows of the same play. I did the same show uh, five nights a week for, for, you know, however long, 12 weeks, how long that ended up being. Um, mm. And after 60 runs, certainly the show was better. It was also very different than it was when right. it started. We found more moments. We found more interiority of what we were doing. You have to, otherwise you're just going to get really bored. Mm-hmm. The other thing that can happen is when you find yourself acting uh, with another actor and having to play a different thing, it it changes your ability to do something. And I have a feeling that the introduction of the character of Guinan forced the writers and then you know, by way of that, the actor to be wrong. Picard was mm-hmm. rarely wrong in well, he, the first season, whereas and he he was the, rare, the thing is he he was rarely challenged. Well, the first season of Picard is he's always the moral high ground. He's always the one prophesizing and lecturing and giving speeches. Here, when you got Guinan, you get some of their best conversations. Guinan challenges him in a way that no one had challenged him before then, and it forced him to have a dialogue for the first time. Yeah, he he's Guinan did not see him as an authority figure. And her job is to undercut the strongly held opinion of whoever it is that she's talking to. That's what she does. Mm-hmm. Is her job is to, is to, is to under, like undercut the confidence that one has in, a, in an indefensible position. Right. So I think that made it so that the writer started giving him more self-questioning and there are times yes i do think that it's worth noting that the best of both worlds is at the end of season three it's very early in the show and it is also true that he wanted to quit that there was he was ready to make that the end of the character and i Mm. wonder if there were i don't even need to wonder there's a wonderful book that you can get of are you an audit are you an audible subscriber at all i am yeah you are so Clearly, you're going to be listening to and and studying books for law um, for the next year. And I don't know if what you do to take a break, uh, but if you run out of podcasts to listen to while you're driving, if you have uh, already, as I know, Matt, you have gone back and re-listened to all 180-something whatever episodes of Trek Off that are out there for the third time, you can use an Audible credit <laughs> to look through um, a book called uh, – I have to look at the, the Trek – First fifty years. The name of the book is uh Is it the is it that mission. unauthorized history of Trek book? Uh yeah, it's 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 an unauthorized it's called the fifty year mission. The audiobook for it is like twelve hours long. And yeah, it's twelve I, hours for the next gen era and twelve hours for the original series and film era. I, I've listened to it actually, it's great. Yeah, it's insane. It's it like for for your money, if you got an audible credit to spare like do it don't like you don't spend the 50 bucks to to pay for it just get like subscribe to audible and listen to it you'll love it but and, one of and the not, things that, that, not that there's not that there's dirt but it, what i like about it is that it's very frank and very honest yeah it's uh it's um and it's all quotes it's not just dirt so it's yes. not the the author opining it's just quotes from people mm-hmm. um Knowing that he wanted to come back, as you said, that he knew that the show was going to continue, I'm certain, and I know from the book, that there were conversations within the writer's room where Patrick came in and was like, okay, this is what you know, we need to do more for Picard. We need to have give him more to play. Um, 
I would say that my favorite Picard is I I somewhere between soft Picard and I don't want to say befuddled but powerless Picard. Picard with the power taken from him. I really liked the future Picard from All Good Things. Not that I want him to have a you know a debilitating syndrome in this show. I think that that would be the wrong way to go. I think right. that I think that him as no exploring what it means to be old, which I think would be great. Exploring what it means to be old and exploring what it means to not have the influence, sort of a, a Star Trek, the motion picture version, you know, the, 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 where Kirk was at the beginning of the show, uh, of the movie. That necessity for him, if it paralleled his personal necessity to come back to the character as somebody who doesn't have the clout that they once had, but they are the right person for the job to make the world better. I'd love to see that journey. I'd yeah. love to see. Um, where he starts out on the Federation flagship at the beginning of season one of Next Gen, where he has the might. It's a good thing that he's right. Mm-hmm. And now, and it wasn't in an era of might makes right. And certainly in the late 80s, early 90s, the idea is we are the most powerful and then we are the best. The idea of I am right and the might will follow and you will see the rise of of respect and in you know, sort of a pseudo goodwill hunting ish kind of you know coming from the bottom on the way back up, uh, a Disney sports movie kind of way <laughs> to watch to watch his just innate goodness get him to a place where he can have the influence on the world that the world needs from him. Yeah, that would be an astounding thing to to experience. I would love in it. My opinion. I would, and you know, this might be a little dark for some people, and so I get that there might be resistance to it. But if we're talking about Picard as this figurehead, if he represents the good of the Federation, certainly the the promise of the message of Star Trek, I would love it if this, if twenty five years post Nemesis, the Federation isn't in disarray, but it's kind of lost what it used to be, or it's kind of strayed from its initial message and some they could make up something that happened up in the interim either the destruction of romulus they had another war whatever um but it would be great if for you know i think it'd be a good journey for picard if he he somehow either through becoming a captain again becoming an ambassador whatever they're going to do with his character to try to get the federation and in the world of star trek back to what he represents and the morals that he embodies. I think that would be a fantastic thing, especially for this day and age, but that's my political leaning showing. Well, I'm, and I think that, look, I, I think anyone who listens to the show that knows that I am probably more left than right. Um, was not always, uh, I was at one point in my life, a registered Republican. I'm more center than I am far left. Probably. Um, that being said, I think that the people on the other side, also think that there's something wrong with the world. They look at us, they look at, you know, the people on the right look at the left and they think they're crazy. They think that they, they don't understand everything. We're at a point where people on both sides look at the people on the other side and go, I don't get it. I don't understand how in the world you could think the things you think. And that has turned into, I don't want to. And where a Picard is necessary and where Star Trek was necessary in the past was that especially the 80s when Next Gen came out, but it's also true of the 60s, the people who were okay were pretty okay. It's, you know, the yes, Vietnam War and political unrest happening, you know, that th- that's happening and that's in, in the news and in the cities, but in 
middle America, Kevin Arnold wonder years land. And in the, in, in certainly in the eighties, it was sort of like everyone kind of felt like, well, we're pretty good. We're pretty good. And Star Trek's goal was to take the people who didn't have a voice and go, well, you think you're good, but are they okay? And do you care that they're not okay? And maybe you should care that they're not okay. And if you know they're not okay, shouldn't you be helping them? And the 80s certainly was a time of, again, a time of of great success, prosperity, and everybody felt like we were okay. And again, Next Gen stepped in to go, yeah, but you think we're post-bigotry, do you? Well, what about this? What about, you know, what about the way we treat, what about the way we treat gays or foreigners or people who believe different religions than us or like Star Trek continued to shine a light on, on uncomfortable topics where people thought they were doing okay and go, are you doing the best you can? You know, Amnesty International praised Chain of Command Part 2 specifically for us. The point of Amnesty International is that we are so comfortable in our happy homes that we don't think about the torture that's going on in the world. And that is what that episode is about, using Orwell's 1984 as a model. Mm -hmm. So we're at a time now where wouldn't it be great if and I know I know for a fact that a friend of mine, um, a friend I'm friend of mine named Eric, who's been on this show, believes differently politically than I do. We will never see eye to eye. We can't even comment on each other's posts because he, I'm sure, sees the stuff I say and go, I don't understand how my friend can think those things. And I look at his stuff and I say the same thing. I don't understand. It it reads it reads like a horror show to me. If Star Trek can make us start analyzing better than we were about about how we're doing as a society then then maybe we can start looking inward and by looking inward we can make better choices both on our side like don't we even the people we disagree with don't we wish they would make better choices about how to deal with the things that they want to have happen sure and they probably think the same of us so if star trek star trek can influence that just a little that's always been its job anyway your thoughts but at the same time, Star Trek, I again, for not to get too political, but all the things that you mentioned it did, those are all progressivist things. And I think Star Trek has inherently always been a progressivist show. Um, that's why I, it, it really shocked and dismayed me to see some of the reaction to some of the casting on Discovery. Because, I mean... There were people who were accusing Star Trek of jumping on this social justice warrior, what have you, era. And I look at it like, no, Star Trek established the social justice warrior era. I mean, they were doing things unpopular in the 60s by having a black woman and an Asian man and a Russian on the bridge. Um, so I think that while I see what you're saying, and I think that we can start to humanize uh, people again, Star Trek has always promoted the message of social progressiveness and tolerance and uh, working toward a better tomorrow. And um, frankly, uh, that message really isn't being promoted by one half of the political spectrum in this country, I feel. But then again, I'm biased. So, yeah, I, I would say, you know, on behalf of and again, I don't want to argue that um, mostly for fear of of. You know, there, 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 there are there are people who listen to this show who who believe on both sides. I would say that that 
the majority of the time being spent on both sides right now is on attacking the other. Because when you attack the other, you don't have to deal with your crap. And and yes, do I think that there is a side that is more morally right than the other right now? Um, yes, I do. Um, but if I were to turn on the news, what the news tells me is that all there is is a moderator in between two people screaming at each other. That's all that news. That's 80% of the news channels on every news channel. You know, we brought... We brought this person who hates puppies and this person who hates cats so they can argue for 20 minutes and I will moderate them. And it's them basically stopping just short of cursing each other out. And then someone makes, and that's my final point on to the next two people who will be arguing. That's like, there's not, there's not the, the ability to discuss the issues. And where yes, it was a progressive progressive show. I would say that there were times that even my progressive point of view was challenged. Uh, and the, the oh sure concept of 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 the, especially in Deep Space Nine, yeah, it took two very necessary views on how you deal with terrorism. It took oh, it took and yeah. sometimes a very right wing view. Of, yes, like you know what you there there are things that that you need to get done. And if you don't do those things, then people suffer. If you if you don't do the hard things now, the more the 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 morally difficult things now that might be frowned on by a more progressive person, then every person who dies as a result of your inaction, that person's death is on your hands. So how I, to influence I, the greater I, good? And Enterprise did that a lot. Yeah, I, um, I I agree, and I like it when it did that because even more so than than showing. Uh, right-wing theories to me it it showed that um in order to get to to get to and to maintain the utopia of star trek you know some something some questionable decisions are still made in the process and and in the end earth and the federation are not as perfect as they'd like to think and that was the main uh driving point for me in ds9 it was the main driving point for the later seasons of enterprise it's the main driving point for me in discovery now so I like it when it challenges this idea of um, complacency. Well, and it, the other thing it did is that, is that, that next gen did, and this is what I hope that this one, and he says it's not going to be next gen. I get it. But to quote Dr. Who, the way that problems were solved is you got people together and you made them sit down and talk. That's what you did. If there's a problem, there's no problem that can't be solved by getting people to sit down and, th- and talk. And think about how where the other person's coming from and try and come up with the best possible solution. And we are in an era where that that can't, you know, that we don't we don't have McNeil Lair. We don't even have Hannity and Combs anymore. It's just Hannity. We don't have you know, we don't have the discussion between the, the idea that the legend you used <coughs> to hear of people in Congress who would scream at each other all day on the Congress floor were ideologically different and then they would go out to dinner at dc like that's that seems to be gone and so maybe that is something that picard can come back is is what he was best at was getting sides who hated each other to sit down and have a conversation and maybe that's what we need guys it's i don't please if you are if you are you know i i would love to those of you who are of a different political persuasion than me, I would love to sit down, have drinks with you and understand why 
And I understand people who listen to the show who are on my side would sit down and go, why would you want to have drinks with them? They're bad. And maybe they are, maybe they're not, but let's, you know, let, if we don't talk soon, things are just going to get worse. And that's, you know, sort of always been my bent. I feel like I'm, no matter what I do, someone's going to yell at me for this show. So this is great. I'm in <laughs> trouble. Here, you talk for a bit. Let them yell at No, I don't believe anything I'm saying. This is all Matt's idea. Oh, yeah. If this was my idea, this would be a socialist show. But <laughs> uh, no, no, I definitely hear what you're saying. But um, yeah, I think that that could definitely work. I, I, the, my thing is, is that I, I'm just excited at the prospect of this character coming back. A character who frankly introduced me to star trek i mean i i say this all the time on shows but lest we forget generations the movie was my first ever star trek and my first real exposure to any captain was through picard and because of generations i went back and as a six-year-old kid and started watching reruns of next generation and so he was my my anchor into the series so the fact that he's coming back and they're going to evolve the character and do something new and different while maintain while still maintaining the essence of who he was that's really exciting i'm i i i gotta love it as a star trek fan that i feel that you know between the success of the kelvin universe movies because you know whatever you think about them they've been successful enough to restart this this brand of star trek on television and now because discovery must have been successful because now cbs is commissioning a whole slew of projects well, so yeah, let's, let's let's jump real quick to the other topic I wanted to discuss. Um, uh, this is from DarkHorizons.com, my favorite place to go for uh, for news. Uh, appearing at the TCAs this week, CBS TV Studios President David Staff and Executive VP of Original Content Julie McNamara have confirmed that there are other potential Star Trek TV series projects currently being considered for CBS All Access. Staff says... My goal is that there should be a Star Trek something on all the time at All Access. CBS All Access President Mark Dibbevoice said, we're looking at limited series for some Trek shows. We're looking at ongoing series for some other Trek shows. We obviously announced the one thing that's coming next with Sir Patrick Stewart, but we have more in development there. There are no details about what form these shows could take, but the producers sound open to various things and aren't restricted by time periods, thus allowing Star Trek shows to stretch beyond the existing mid-late 2200s, Discovery to US time, and mid-late 2300s, TNG, DS9, and Voyager time. The only thing they won't be doing is a, is a revival of a pre-existing show. Which the is talk good. follows on from the just-announced Jean-Luc Picard series, which Patrick Stewart revealed over the weekend, that being more of a spinoff than a revival. Also on the way are four short treks to fill in before the upcoming second season of Star Trek Discovery, with Steph insisting these shorts are not <coughs> test pilots for, for potential spinoffs. The network also concerned uh, that they're doing The Twilight Zone with Jordan Peele and Simon Kimberg. But, um, so the idea of Star Trek being like Marvel Netflix, for instance, that that as one season ends, you get a month off and then here's another one. Would Do you want that? Do you think that's a good idea? I mean, depending on what kind of ideas they have cooking, um, I know where this conversation could potentially go where it's like too much of a good thing or, or there's kind of like this overload and burnout. But to be honest with you, I mean, I, I, I'm happy that certain projects are getting off the ground now because aside from, you know, what we, we had a movie every three or four years there there had been a drought there had been a you know until discovery came on a 12-year tv drought of of anything star trek on television and with the with the with the launch and and the success of discovery i'm glad that that's opening doors to these new projects now 
will all of them hit? I don't know. I hope they will. But at the same time, I'm glad- For every that- daredevil, there's an iron fist. Sure. Um, but at the same time, I'm glad that- Because it- I don't know what you thought, Justin, but it seemed to me like with before Discovery and before the J.J. movies really took off, there, there seemed to be this hesitance on the part of CBS to kind of do anything new with Star Trek because they considered it too much of a risk or past its prime or what have you. The fact that it's working successfully as it is now and has the potential to go other places, I'm excited by that. But then again, I'm the eternal optimist. Um, you know, I think that we are fickle, unfortunately. It's interesting to look at how far the box office numbers fell for Solo after The Last Jedi and how people are like going, oh, the bloom's off the rose already. Two movies in. Boom. You know, and, and it may be true. We may be at a point where Star Wars is is way out of vogue. And that took, what, a year? Um, so I do have a fear that without some tried and true successes, you know, we're not going to had Daredevil come out and then Iron Fist come out. I think that Marvel Netflix would be dead. Because you had so much goodwill from the other, you know, Marvel shows, it's worth noting Defenders didn't do well at all, and that it's not its quality. I mean, its quality wasn't up to stuff to the others, but it was. I felt like Defender was more of of a kind of a moratorium on the success of Iron Fist. So as long as they can put out some good ones, and the fact that they're diversifying it, I think is really really smart. Uh, the fact well, that they I can like go. To, I like oh, too that. I was going to say, I like too that it sounds like, at least from from the announcement that you're making, or what they're saying, is that they're not trying to make a series out of everything. They're not trying to throw everything against the wall and see what sticks. I like that they're doing, you know, the short treks here and there, maybe a limited run for, you know, a couple of months. Um, As long as they keep it fresh and exciting and change it up and don't fall into complacency, um, I think it has potential to go places. I really do. Yeah, no, I I absolutely agree with you. I think that ultimately Star Trek, by diversifying it, you can have a failure. And I think that's really important. I think that you having multiple Treks out there, if there's one that's no good, and if you have multiple creators on each of the Treks, multiple showrunners on each of the Treks, if there's one that's no good, then fine. You can, you can say, okay, well, that didn't work, but there's enough Trek. So they have to really not, like this Patrick Stewart thing has to knock it out of the park. And the one after has to knock it out, like do really well. And then I think you have enough of a buffer that if one, you know, if one eats it a little bit, it's fine. Um, and you can just right. move on from it. Uh, I do think that we're, we're in a time that has never been the case, which is, is Star Trek has never been the apple of anybody's eye. It, it never was. Uh, they, uh, they had lots of sets. Star Trek was a huge part of the Paramount lot, but you know, it was not, it was never given the limelight that say like friends was sure. It was on TV guide all the time. And sure. You know, next gen was pulling in significant numbers by, by its, by its end. But it's worth noting that, you know, Voyager and Dia sign and enterprise both ended with like 4 million people watching a week compared to like friends getting like 30. Right. Um, uh, and the movies were always under budget. If you listen to that book, you hear that every season was almost every show's last. Every movie almost didn't happen. Uh, it's, it was never, we think of it as being as big as star Wars. No, it wasn't. It never was. It was never a priority. And I think we got to a point where all that Paramount had going for it was, you know, mission impossible. It's all they had. And so they needed other tent poles. And we're in an era where I think that star Trek can work as that. I like discovery. 
start discovery is neat and fresh and edgy do i want the next track to maybe be a little bit more trekky maybe but you know i'm i'll tune in no matter what and i'll tune in for for the idea that there's always some kind of track on tv i, I mean i'll always be there um but yeah. keep this show keep trek off going long enough sure enough I mean, but I, I think that there's room to have this kind of diversification because not all the, contrary to what some might think, I don't think all the Marvel Netflix shows are the exact same thing. Do you? No, they're not at all. So, I mean, we can have Discovery doing like the DS9 kind of grimmer, darker, but it seems like it's going to be more, like the, the new trailer makes it seem a lot more optimistic. I don't know. Maybe they're they're changing up the, the tone for next season. Um, it's a different showrunner. That's worth noting. It is, but they're also dealing with a different story. I mean, I don't know how you do a war arc and make it be happy and go lucky. You know what I mean? It's no. it, when we were doing when we were doing the Dominion War on DS Nine. I mean, that was some of its best stuff. But you can't say that it was like classic Star Trek or, or, of optimism and hope. I mean, baseball it, it episodes became, notwithstanding, right? Um, but. I you know not all those Marvel Netflix shows are the same. I don't think all these Star Trek shows will be the same either. I think that I hope, but I've seen evidence to support this is that you know as TV has evolved into these new streaming services and launching shows for for Netflix or for Hulu or for you know I guess All Access now they've not all been the same thing. They've they that's the benefit of having this series that doesn't necessarily have a a start and end date like we must be on the air by this date or else we can't do it um the fact that it they have true the time for episode to, run times too to, like you, you can have you what's know, that if it needs to be 41 minutes i said that holds true for episode run times as well if it needs to be 41 minutes it can be if it needs to be an hour and six minutes it can be there's you know you, oh you yeah do, you do the, the show you need to do and there are no you know there, there's no rules which i love right Right, exactly. So I think that the fact that we have more, like TV has more time to plan out and these this is the arc that we want to work with this season. This is the tone that we're going for. I think that it's television now is in a particularly good place. And so I think it's ripe for something like Star Trek to come back because I think that with this constant diversification and this planning and stuff like that, it won't be like the late 90s and early 2000s where we were having the same people doing the same thing on each different show or each different movie. And it got to be very, very bland isn't the right word, but it got to be very, very similar and it started to, started to feel tired. Um, I think this diversification is fantastic because how can you say it'll be tired by the time they get to, I don't know, series number four or whatever. Well, and ultimately from, you know, from a selfish point of view, We've only had really like four or five worlds we can play with and things that we can discuss on Star Trek. And because unfortunately for their times, Enterprise and Voyager ended up being a bit of a kind of a pocket universe unto themselves. They didn't, there's not much to talk about in terms of the grander Trek canon outside of them. I am thrilled from a podcasting point of view and from a fan point of view to have, as I said before, these things to discuss and these new ideas of things that will piss me off, you know, and things that will make me cry and things that will make me laugh and things that will make me happy. I am, I, the idea that this is all going to be available fodder for discussion, um, is going to keep this show going for a long, long time. And yeah, I was going to say, even you, like, man, that's, 
I was going to say, even gonna... us as podcasters, we've we've had to talk about, not that I hate talking about them, but there's only so much that you could talk about with the same five series and 13 movies for so long before you like start to run out of ideas. Yeah. Well, that's, and that's what happened ultimately in Enterprise. They did run out, run out of ideas. Like, oh, you're going to find a planet. Oh, the planet is going to have some trouble. Oh, you think you're going to know the answer, but then you're going to find out your original answer isn't going to work. So you have to rethink the situation in a way that conflicts with your personal biases. And by doing so, change your personal biases to something more progressive, at which point their problem is solved and you've learned a lesson. No, sounds great. Let's do that. To be fair to Enterprise, they got they were get really getting there in season four, but it was too little. Too yeah, late. when they started changing up, when they were doing season long arcs and doing like four episode arcs. Yeah, when when Enterprise started changing the game. Yes, yes, it did. I loved Enterprise by the end because it was it was evolving to give me Trek I'd never seen before. And yes, you are going to lose viewers if you give Trek in a different skin. You know, my kids play Minecraft. And I don't know if, you, if you're a gamer at all, but there's something in, in video games called skins that you can do on top of the games um, or mod packs. And there are mod right. packs for, for Minecraft that make it look like Halo. And they think it's the greatest. And I look at it and I go, it's still Minecraft. It's still the same game. It just looks different. And what I want, it can look different. It can feel different. But I want it to be the same game in its essence as opposed to just the same thing with a different skin. And there's the, the best way I can describe it is like the difference. There are two games that I love. Uh, one's called Portal and one's called Portal 2. Portal is mostly a puzzle game until you get to the very end and then it's, it's something bigger. Portal 2 is this expansive, very different kind of game than Portal 1. But the essence of the game is the same. One is it's slicker. It's newer. It's more modern. It's, uh, it's more in depth. It, it, it has fundamental differences, but at its heart, it's the same thing. I still don't feel like Discovery is operating the same heart. It's still a little slick for me. I feel like at the end of the first season, it was starting to get there. I have you know faith that it will get there. It's worth noting what the first episodes of of the first season of DS Nine and the the first season of DS Nine and Next Gen were terrible, not terrible, but they weren't great. And it took the first season to get there. I look at the first season of Discovery. There's never been a first season of a Star Trek show better than the first season of Discovery. I challenge you to find maybe the first season of the original series. But I challenge you to find anything that in the first season did so well. So if Discovery grows in quality at the rate that DS9 and and Next Gen does, we're going to have an enormous opportunity. And then if you can do other shows, you know, I, I hope and pray these other shows are angel to to Discovery's Buffy and are not, you know, Joey. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't think there's any danger that I really don't. But like I said, I, I try to look at the positive of things. Like I said, we had such a lack of Star Trek for so long. And then you have the promise of it coming back with the movies. And then you have the launch of this TV series, which I agree. I did. It might be my favorite first season of any Star Trek. Um, to the promise of more projects, I, I'm just happy as a fan. I, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, I guess <laughs> I could be cynical and say that it's you know it's a money grab. I could say I could be cynical and say that oh, well, they're just they're gonna run this thing into the ground. But I don't want to. <laughs> you know, it's 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 as simple as that. And and I would say if it's a money grab, take my money. And if you're gonna run it to the ground, at least it's running. Guess what? It was on the ground. 
It was on the ground yeah. already. That's the thing. Like, that's the thing about bringing back. That's the thing about bringing back Picard in the first place. I was like, well, we can't get much lower than Nemesis. So I think we have nowhere to go with the character but up. Yeah, I'm. I am. I am thrilled for what we're getting. Um, Matt, I appreciate that you came on uh, to trek off again as you're entering the as you're entering the the landing phase of your podcast career and going on to uh, to fight for justice at the Hall of Justice. Is, are you going to work at the Hall of Justice? I, I might as well be. I'm planning on being a prosecutor. So. Oh, good, good. Well, that's that's good to know that you're out there. I've heard you. I've heard you argue, um, and you are snarky but fair. And I, <laughs> I look, I look forward to the uh, final days of uh, Upper Pylon Two. Please get me on there. I'd love to come be a voice on there um, one last time. And uh, and I just thank you for coming coming to talk to us. Alexia is not gone. She will be returning in due time. We may or may not have a guest uh, between now and her return, but uh, I've been in touch with her, and she is very much looking forward to coming back to the show. But for now, uh, my name is Justin. And my name is Matt. And because Alexia is not here, I will let you give her, her uh, signature sign-off. Trek off, bitches. Hey, you know what makes us different than all those other podcasts you listen to? We have a movie. There's a movie of this podcast on Amazon Prime right now. Just go right now on Amazon Prime and go look. Check it out. Just search for it. There you go. There it is. Trek off. One word. Just search for Trek off on Amazon Prime or Amazon Instant Video if you want to rent it. If you don't have Amazon Prime as a subscription or if you want to buy the DVD, it's there on Amazon. But seriously, this podcast, you got all the way to the end. Now go watch us and give us reviews and tell the world, man, a podcast got me made into a movie, man. How cool is that? Go look it up and share it. Love you guys.